Welcome to the latest episode of the Cardiovascular Digital Health Podcast, where we interview academics and entrepreneurs at the front lines of digital health. My name is Dr. Hamid Gumbari, and I am the deputy editor of the Cardiovascular Digital Health Journal. If you like this episode and would like to support our work, please subscribe to our podcast on your favorite platform and leave us a review and visit our website, the Cardiovascular Digital Health Journal. Welcome to the latest episode of the Cardiovascular Digital Health Podcast. I'm very excited to have Dr. Trent Johnson with us here today, who's going to be talking about his latest paper in our journal titled Building a Hybrid Virtual Care Rehab Program to Promote Health Equity. Welcome, Dr. Johnson. Good morning, and thank you for having me. Oh, it's wonderful to have you. If you could tell our audience a little bit about um, who you are, where you're at, and how you got uh, interested in this particular topic. Absolutely. Uh, my name is Trent Johnson. I'm an internal medicine resident at Johns Hopkins Hospital, uh, going into cardiology. And my interest in cardiology really stems from uh, my family's background with heart disease and really the desire to increase access to care for patients from vulnerable populations. When I joined the digital cardiac health lab here at Hopkins, I saw that there were many projects ongoing, but the one that was the most exciting to me was work in the cardiac rehab space. And this work was particularly exciting because uh, all of the research that has gone on over the years have shown that cardiac rehab is an effective tool for preventing secondary cardiovascular disease. And it's actually a class one recommendation from the American Heart Association and the American College of Cardiology. However, despite this, it is still underutilized, and there are many barriers to cardiac rehab, and our paper and our work addresses these barriers and really provides a unique way to offer this class one recommendation to a variety of patients. That's terrific. If you could maybe a little bit elaborate on what is cardiac rehab and what is actually virtual cardiac rehab? What is, what is the differences between the two, and why? how would one think about going about choosing one versus the other? Sure. So cardiac rehab is a exercise, an intense 12-week exercise program for patients who've had a cardiovascular event. There right now, the standard or usual care is an in-center cardiac rehab model. So this is a center where patients show up after they leave the hospital, they meet with a trainer, they do rigorous exercises for 12 weeks, um, and that's sort of the usual care. We saw that there was a huge uh, discrepancy between the patients that were actually able to do that and patients who had an event and just couldn't do that. So barriers being taking off of work to go to in-center cardiac rehab, having uh, appropriate transportation, and having all of the necessary means and tools to devote 12 sessions to going to a physical place. So we took the approach of creating a virtual model. And in this virtual model, it empowers patients to use digital devices like smartphones, wireless wearables, and wireless blood pressure monitors to get the same level engagement uh, with a personal trainer and as well as an exercise coach and uh, really benefit from the effects that the traditional in-center cardiac rehab uh, uh, provides to patients who are able to do that. So pretty much very similar to the in-center model, but it offers greater flexibility for patients uh, who may not be able to make the in-center appointments. Yeah, we always say 
you know, any visit is better than a visit that you wouldn't otherwise make. And it sounds <laughs> like, you know, you've really designed a program that can achieve, you know, lots of engagement and especially for this particular therapy that you're designed, it's super important that people actually engage regularly and do the things that they're supposed to do to get the outcomes they want. So fantastic job there. Thank so you. if you, if, um, if you uh, don't mind, I want to maybe ask you specific questions or maybe ha- ask you like kind of describe your thought process about, about designing this system uh, maybe kind of break it down in in each step and how one might go about like designing this particular system that you design. Yes, sure. So in, in our paper, we kind of talk about the top five lessons learned from our experience. And there are key elements to each step. So the first step is ensuring that you have a multidisciplinary team and you have the technology platform there for it. And we believe that the multidisciplinary team includes a medical director, program director. We utilize our exercise physiologists here at Hopkins, as well as nurses, researchers, members of our cardiovascular prevention team, design engineers, and frontline clinicians. So it's a whole host of people to make sure that this process is successful. And then selecting a technology platform. We decided to select the Corey Health Digital Platform for a variety of reasons. One, it allowed us to provide patients education within the wireless within the wireless app. It also allowed us to track medication adherence and reminders uh, sent to patients. And then lastly, it allowed us to look at the exercises that patients were engaging in uh, remotely. And so that platform on the patient side was certainly easy to navigate and very practical. On the back end, we utilize the clinician dashboard. So using the Cori app, there is the patient side and the clinician side. And on the clinician side, we provide intuitive and data visualization for providers and, and anyone really to quickly look at a patient's um, progress on the 12-week track and see where, may they, where, where they may be lacking. So they can monitor heart rates, blood pressure, steps, medication adherence, education, uh, content engagement. We really believe that both the combination of a well-rounded multidisciplinary team and a robust technology platform really provided the, 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 the foundation for the software and the program. The next process that we hinted, hit it on in our paper was establishing an equitable onboarding process. So as you know, technology is great and it's fun and it's an exciting but the patients that we are targeting for specifically for this intervention um, needed to be able to access the app and the smartwatches and the wireless blood pressure uh, devices easily. Uh, these are typically patients that are from more vulnerable populations, minorities, veterans, patients with low health literacy. And so to make the onboarding process as uh, efficient and as simple as possible, we took on the approach of hiring patient navigators that actually met with the patient's bedside before leaving the hospital to help them get the process started. So they helped them download the app, they helped them sync the wireless um, Apple Watch with the software, they showed them how to easily transmit their blood pressure recordings from their house so that they really felt before they left the hospital, they had a really good understanding of how to engage with the software. And then we took it a step further 
and we provided patients who traditionally might not be able to have access to these wonderful, fabulous tools because of cost, we partnered with Apple to provide these to patients at no additional cost. So using our iShare program, we gave patients either iPhones or Samsung phones. We gave them either Apple Watches or Fitbits, and then we gave them wireless blood pressure monitors so that we really could cover any and every patient who wanted to engage with the hybrid model um, very easily. The third thing that we did was we put up together a team to gather feedback on the process. And we used what's called human-centered design. And so that was a session that involved two parts. One, the patients, and two, the clinicians. So even in our human-centered design sessions, uh, diversity was really important. We had patients represented from all walks of life, um, and men and women, and then all age all age ranges were represented at our human design sessions. There were three sessions that we conducted uh, over the course of six weeks, and each session uh, was about 60 minutes or so. And the sessions really focused on defining challenges that patients and their caregivers experience with engaging with the hybrid model. And from that, we took the feedback that we gathered there and then implemented it. We also engaged with clinicians So the clinicians met once, uh, 90 minutes, and they discussed any challenges they had either getting the patients enrolled in the program or any challenges they had utilizing or understanding the data in the clinician dashboard. And we took what we learned from them and we implemented feedback as well, which gets us into step four or five. Step four focused on implementing the feedback. So taking what we learned from human-centered design, both the patients and the clinicians, and providing that structured feedback into a, a QI program. And it was really in the QI program that we, we started to develop some of the things that we use now that I think are incredibly meaningful to both patients and providers. Those things include, we are now, we now have a cardiac rehab introduction video. We have digital instructions on how to either sync iPhones, sync Apple Watches, sync wireless blood pressure monitors. But I think more importantly, the what I'm the most proud of that came out of the Human Center to Design sessions was the implementation of weekly coaches. So these coaches check in with patients weekly to see if they have any problems with the software or any problems with engaging in cardiac rehab or any problems with you know, uh, depression or medication or any any sort of barriers that they may be experiencing after leaving the hospital. And we think this, this patient-centered approach is really, uh, really great and really helps with engage, promoting engagement. And then lastly, our step five was evaluating whether or not this had a clinical uh, meaning to it, whether or not it was clinically effective. And we're doing that excitingly coming up, uh, utilizing a, a randomized controlled trial called the MTech Rehab Trial. And this is a multi-center trial that's uh, going to be enrolling over 300 patients, and 150 of the patients will be in the usual care arm, and then 150 patients will be in our hybrid cardiac rehab arm. And we're looking forward to sharing with you all our, our preliminary data in the, in the months to come. I, I love this. Um, 
I think it, I mean, congratulations first for doing something that is very, very difficult to do. Um, but also, I think what you've done here is that you c created a framework for implementation of all digital health tools, really. If anyone wants to think about this, this is really a beautiful and uh, effective way to implement any digital intervention that you want to do. Um, I want to maybe zero in a little bit on a couple of things on, mm -hmm. on uh, that you mentioned. Uh, the first one was um, the role of a digital navigator that you mentioned. Um, I think anyone who has ever tried to implement one of these digital tools knows that that's probably the, one of the hardest things to do, you know, kind of getting patients to like download the app, uh, know how to use it, and how to get it to the EHR, and how to troubleshoot it. So if you could like tell me like what is the profile of that person? Like who is the digital navigator and how are you utilizing it? Um, and then the, the other thing I want to maybe zero in on is um, what is the um, – how do you capture some of the value that you're providing to these patients? What is the uh, the the financial structure around this that makes sure that people are able to use this regularly and then this is a program that can't be sustained long term? Yo, those are great questions and thanks for asking them. Uh, I'll first start talking about the the patient navigator's role. And a patient navigator, we have a huge team in the digital health lab, and uh, these are people that we bring in and we train on how to enroll someone in a complex process. So they're well-versed in not only uh, with how to utilize the app, but they're well-versed with how to engage with people who have a lower technology literacy and a lower health literacy. They really help with writing uh, a lot of our instruction manuals and our how-to videos. It's a, it's a huge focus on making sure that the, the words and the language that we use is something that uh, a patient or anyone in, in, with a middle school level of training can understand. Once they've received that training and how to effectively communicate with patients, they then go to the bedside and enroll the patients in the, the program before they leave the hospital. And the reason we did this is we found that sending patients home with all of these new devices is maybe not the best approach. Um, it's, it's a good approach if you, if you want them to collect dust, maybe. But, but if you want the patients to actually engage with them, you got to show them how to use these. And, and we're, we, don't, we don't have many restrictions on the patients that, that, that we are enrolling outside of um, our core restrictions. And those things are based off of the same restrictions that we would have in place for people in the in-center model. But you may have patients in their 70s, and we do have patients in their 70s and their 80s who have caregivers that are all about this. And so the patient navigators help them work through the kinks um, and all the other technicalities before they leave the hospital. And then that same person, and also oftentimes it is the same person, sometimes it's new other members of our team, engage with them weekly uh, via Zoom or via telephone, just to check in and say, hey, I, I've seen or I've heard from Dr. Johnson that uh, your steps aren't logging every day, or your medication, your metoprolol is not getting taken every day. Is there, is there anything going on, anything I can help with? And we think that constant that that constant engagement really keeps the the patients uh, involved in the program. And so the navigator is 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 a is a really great tool that's not only just used in the hospital, but when the patients leave the hospital. 
your your second question um, was about the financial incentive. Is that correct? Well, financial structures that makes make this a sustainable program. Yep. How are you thinking about that? Yeah, so that's always a, a, a huge question, especially in the digital health space. How sustainable is something like this? And we think that it, we're still in the early stages, but we think that our model is has the potential to be cheaper than in-center, the in-center model. And in the respect that many of our patients already have iPhones and Samsung phones and Android phones. And if they don't, we have processes to, to get them these devices. Um, and many patients are wearing wearables nowadays. Um, and many patients even have wireless blood pressure monitors and wireless skills. So they have the tools at their houses already um, that belong to them versus in the in-center system, in the in-center model, uh, we're constantly ourselves putting forth the money to update and redesign uh, these centers. And so we think that we hope that in the future, um, from a cost saving standpoint, uh, leveraging tools that people already have at their home will be more beneficial. And then secondly, um, engagement. So the more accessible a system is or a tool is, we hope, the more likely it'll be utilized. And in-center cardiac rehab, we learned in code during the COVID area, which is not feasible for people. And so then it became a tool that was underutilized. Now that we've revamped, uh, revamped the system and, and given people the option to do something that's a little bit more, um, I would say, uh, available and easier, um, more desirable, um, we hope that the engagement will increase significantly. And in the combination of those two things, uh, we think that this has the potential to eventually be um, standard of care and, and obviously a, a huge cost-saving uh, model for the healthcare system. That's fantastic. Uh, definitely couldn't agree more that this framework is uh, really designed very well and it can be adopted by any institution that wants to uh, really sink their teeth into using these digital tools on, on day-to-day and in clinical practice. Um, so, um, I mean, we're super excited also to see what the results of this shows because really at the end of the day, you want to be able to show clinical benefit of these. And that's really what is it, what is missing in a lot of these uh, 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 digital tools is that, that showing that end clinical benefit is super important. And I'm excited to, I'm really looking forward to seeing the results of the clinical trial. Um, so what, are, what is next, you know, beyond the clinical trial, um, what is next for you and um, how are you thinking about taking the next steps here? Yeah, next for me is uh, trying to get this tool and platform uh, in, into the hands of more and more people. And so as I stated earlier, the clinical trial is actually a multi-center trial. Right now we have four major hospital systems that are a part of it. And as I stated earlier, access to care is, is really, really meaningful to me. And it's some one of my passions. And continuing to refine how our patients are engaging with the platform is, is what's coming up next. So we are revamping the app to make it even more user-friendly, utilizing some feedback that we've gotten from patients so far. 
we're revamping the 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 metrics that we pull from the wearables to represent things that um, are even more meaningful. So uh, instead of just accessing footsteps and um, instead of just accessing footsteps and heart rates and blood pressures, we're hoping in the future to access things like um, arrhythmias, sleep sleep cycles and sleep patterns and O2 sats and uh, exercise tolerance in a more granular way. And we, we hope to see if, if that data gleans or, or helps provide even more patient-centered, patient-tailored uh, medicine, which is, which is the ultimate goal. Very exciting time. And um, I think I speak on behalf of all, uh, all cardiologists that this is um, very exciting and you're leading the way uh, in doing, you know, really pioneer, pioneering work in this area. Um, I want to thank you for taking the time to, um, you know, discuss this really important paper, and we look forward to seeing more of you uh, and your papers in the future. Well, thank you so much, and you you all enjoy the rest of your your morning. and And I would just encourage the 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 audience to just keep in mind that you know creating a dynamic and patient centered and and more importantly equitable either cardiac rehab or any other rehab, but digital health platform is, is, is the future. Thank you so much. Thank you.